Yo, yo, what's up? Welcome back to episode five of the Witness This Podcast. This episode, we speak with Sean Higgins, who is a professional parkour athlete. He's an insane MC and lyricist, the creator of Flow Gang Magazine, and a competitor in the WFPF competitions as well as the NAPC competitions. Today, we speak about inspirations that it took for Sean to go pro. We talk about fig. We talk about parkour in the Olympics, parkour competitions in general, where we think the future of parkour is going, and what it really takes for individuals in our community to create quality projects and content. Before we get started, I want to quickly remind everybody the price of admission to these podcasts. Now, I don't charge anything like money. You don't have to pay, so put your wallets away. What I do ask of you is that you stop, you take a minute to screenshot and share the podcast. Share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, share it on Twitter, share it on TikTok, on any social media app that you are on. When you do that, you are helping the podcast grow, you're helping the parkour community grow, and yeah, you're helping me grow as well. Most importantly, you're helping somebody else grow because if you've been getting value out of any of the conversations we've been having from episode one until now, then you know that somebody else can get value from it as well. So please don't just keep it to yourself. Share it. Tag me. Tag Sean. Tag everybody. All right? Keep in mind the witness this Instagram name has changed. It is no longer witness this dot PK. It is now witness this underscore brand. Without further ado, I introduce to you Sean Higgins. Yo, so what's up, guys? Marlon Johnson here. I'm kicking it with the one, the only, Flow Gang, Sean Higgins. Yeah, what's yeah. up, y'all? Sean Higgins. I'm from Denver, Colorado, 28 years old, been training parkour for 13 years. Beautiful, man. Yo, thank you for coming out. He's chilling with us week nine at Woodward, greatest place on earth. Yo, this is your first time to camp. How are you liking this so far? Dude, this is uh, insane. <laughs> Honestly, I... I owe my trip to you, so thank you for reaching out to me. That is, uh, I was really surprised, you know, but also not so surprising because, you know, I have been trying to put in the work, trying to be the best competitor that I can be, training super hard. So, you know, I would say I have built that resume as, like, a pro athlete, and it was cool to have you invite me and kind of just uh, that shows me that my work is, you know, really going towards something. Heck yeah, man. I mean, like, it was honestly an easy choice when I was sitting there making the roster for who I wanted to have out, your name was like, it popped into my head so quickly. And I'm happy that you kind of said that because that's something I want to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. So you have been putting it out there that you are a competing competing athlete. Mm -hmm. You've been hitting up competitions, NAPC. You submitted uh, for Art of Motion. You were in World Chase Tag. You've done some of the WFPF uh, events down in florida i know you were down there last year Mm -hmm. you also went out to that international event correct yeah the one in turkey and i actually did not do world chase tag but oh you didn't do world chase oh my bad no it's all good i'm not (laughs) spreading rumors (laughs) 
But yeah. uh, yo, so is that something that you're really actively pursuing? Do you want to be out there as a competing athlete for parkour? Because it's still relatively a new thing. Like yeah. Our pro athletes are more so pros within the local community, but there isn't a true competition scene or a standard competition scene yet. We had yeah. Art of Motion for the last couple of years, but for the last, what, two years, we haven't seen Art of mm-hmm. Motion. Now it's making the return. So is that kind of the avenue you're looking to go down? Yeah, I mean, it's always been, like, definitely a dream of mine to just, I guess when I was a kid, I always thought, the pro athletes were the coolest athletes, you know, just like, oh man, like what, what, whatever I was watching, I was, I was playing soccer and baseball as a kid, didn't really watch soccer, but watched a lot of baseball and, you know, I was like super into the shortstops, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Nomar, you know, like, and then I got into skateboarding where I was just super into Tony Hawk pro skater. So met all, or like found out through all the pros really, or all the, the main dudes, from that game and then uh so I always just looked up to pro athletes and I always thought that that would be like a cool thing and then uh you know when I found parkour and I just started training I was excelling at it I was like yo this is the this is the chance to like actually kind of fulfill that dream I had as a kid and go pro and that word was like you know in parkour there wasn't really like a true way to be like pro like a pro in parkour is different than a pro in skateboarding like a pro in skateboarding they have sponsors by clothes, the board, the deck, the wheels, bearings, you know. They have literally all these sponsors, so they have so much more opportunities. They're filming for videos as opposed to filming for YouTube, you know. They're filming parts for, like, videos that get shown, and then you have to buy this video. And I think it's changed a little bit now that YouTube is so big, so I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of videos do get dropped on YouTube now, but, you know, back in the day, like, you film for a part, and so it was a little different. And so I was like, how do you become a pro in parkour? And really, it, to me, that was competition. Like, you should be competing against the best athletes in the world and, and holding down, you know? So that's what I did in 2016. I saw my first opportunity to compete against, you know, some of the best pros, and that was at the um, first Vegas competition that WFPF held. So it was... Uh, called the Pro-Am Challenge in Las Vegas. It was in 2016, and uh, I basically went as, like, an amateur. It was, like, pros that were invited and amateurs that had to, like, pay, and it was, like, pretty hefty. I had a, I dropped 150 bucks for the registration and then, you know, flew out, bought my plane ticket, but luckily uh, at the time, Chris Hollingsworth and Justin Schaefer were both working at Path Movement, the gym I was at, and um, which I'm still at, and they were invited as pros and I was like yo I would say I'm equally as good as these two like I'm throwing down with them every day like I want to go compete now like these guys are pros like let's go I want to be there you know and then I saw the roster and like on the list was Joe Scandrit, Eric McAmeshteen, Zen was there like it, it was insane so I met a bunch of people that I had looked up to for a long time and then I competed as like you know an amateur but everyone was like whoa who's this kid that was like the first time that people really saw me and I don't know I just made a really good impression with WFPF so they've been inviting me back ever since really and then uh, the very same year was Apex International and I went in had to do the on-site qualifiers ended up taking first at those on-site qualifiers so and that was really sick because I beat um 
Bart Vanderlinden at the time on those on-sites, nice. and he had just won the Art of Motion, so I was like feeling really good, like, yo, I just beat Art of Motion winner, like, yo, like, this is the time to shine, and then, uh, you know, I just kept competing from there, and um, definitely gained recognition on that higher level platform, you know, like all the big, upper, big names, like, they knew who I was, but like, your average parkour kid, like, had no idea who I was, you know, like, and that almost is still kind of how it is, like, a lot of, you know, if you're into the, the Instagram scene, it's like, you don't know who I am, but if you're into the competitive scene, you know, you exactly. know, who, yeah, exactly, for sure, and it's crazy, because a lot of our pro athletes, it's in that weird, strange <clears throat> land right now, where you can be pro training and moving at that pro level, hanging out with all the right people, but like you said, you're known by the right people in the community, you're mm -hmm. known by the pro athletes and the elite athletes. However, mainstream hasn't quite caught wind of you yet. Exactly, yeah. And it's such like an interesting place because a lot of our pro athletes live there. You yeah, know, last week for we had sure. Davis Vasconcelos in here and pretty much all the pros know Davis. Yeah. The Storm Boys chill with him. Yeah. Right, you know him. But so many people, he has what, maybe 5K followers on Instagram, mm -hmm, yeah. which is nothing in comparison to like, Dom Tomato with, you know, running around with that 700 yeah, and it, 70K following right now, you know? Yeah, it's insane. So it's so interesting. But that's cool. You have a hefty roster, man. Like, you have been through some crazy events. It's been awesome. I, and I, I really, you know, I did, I've done a lot with WFPF, and I'm down to talk about all the stuff that they're into, and, like, uh, we can go into it. Because I ask questions every time I go to one of these uh, competitions. I want to know what they're doing with FIG because they announced a memorandum of understanding with them. And so I like ask so many questions. I'm trying to get into their head, see where they're at. And I would say I have the answers, um, you know, at least what they told me. So um, that's cool. But yeah, so they took me out to Turkey. That was cool. Um, I've been to Tampa twice. I went to Vegas twice for their competitions. And then the other major competitions I did was NAPC. So this is my third year now going back. Um, it's in like two and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, NPC dude. is rolling up. Right around the corner, dude. <laughs> and <laughs> so. you're chilling with competition here right now because Sam Wiseman's going to be up there with He's you. He's going to be there, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a And then uh, this girl, Celine, who's here, she's going to be there. Yep. So that's dope. Um, super hyped to, to meet some people here and then get to see him in like two weeks. <laughs> that's going to be tight. So I got a question. Out of all the competitions you've done, what's which, I guess, is your favorite formatting? Like, I know most of the community right now is really leaning towards NAPC. Mm -hmm. They want to see that be more of the standard. Yeah. And I have talked to some people. They feel like World Chase Tag. I know you said you weren't a part of that, but they feel like something like that for the community is also pretty good. Yeah. Some people hate on the fig competitions that have been popping up. Absolutely. You know, saying speed competitions can't be held in, like, side-by-side -side straight line. Yeah. You know, Davis and I were talking about that where... Actually, we think it's kind of cool for you to see two guys racing head Agreed. on head, like side by side. It gives a little bit more action to the sport. Mm -hmm. Now you got like you could root for a guy. It's one thing to see a time and know somebody beat somebody by a quarter second, but for you to watch them run side by side, yeah, you can actually see where they took a head. And it's like, oh shoot, like he did that one step right there, and that's where he left the other guy mm -hmm. in the the dust. Or else yeah. the numbers are kind of, it's hard for you to replay both of those runs in your head at for the same sure. time. For sure. I feel that 100%. I would say my favorite um, format that I've done is definitely 
because I'm a special stylist. You know, I love style, so style is always uh, where I'm trying to compete. And so when it comes to the style format, um, yeah, I've done a Apex International twice, and then I've done NAPC twice, and I've done um, WFPF's comps. Uh, WFPF, I don't necessarily like their format, but I don't, like, really dislike it. Like, it's there. Um, it's cool. I, I think it's fine, but I, it can be improved on. Um, basically, theirs is three rounds. So um, round one is their, what they call it, uh, a live after five. And basically, there's five people on the course for three minutes. And um, it's like a jam style session. And this is very similar to how Red Bull does uh, some of the on-site qualifiers. It's like a jam. It's like 20 minutes or like 30 minutes. And there's like a bunch of people on the course. And judges are watching them all. And they're picking out, you know, the best. Who's, who's doing the craziest stuff? Who's being super clean? Like, who's just throwing down super hard? Who's like kind of shy, like not going in, like those are not going to make it, you know, like, so uh, this jam style, I've seen it happen at NAPC too, NAPC on sites last year happened like that, it was like, I want to say it was like 30 minutes on the clock, there was like 15 athletes on the course, and they were just all training, like it was, in, it was madness, so I'm not really a fan of that style, I don't think, I think it's really hard for judges in a sense to like really pick out people, you're kind of just going, I feel like it's a little biased, because you're probably just going to watch the people that you already know are sick, you know, and kind of keep an eye on them as opposed to, like, if, if there's a no-name, like, who's maybe doing something over there while you're watching right. the person that you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I don't really like that as much. But uh, so WFPF round two is their – they call it their skills round, which is definitely a misleading name because it should be really a big trick round um, because it's basically a big trick on four different apparatuses and you get scored. So they have their vault, um, vault, wall, drop, slash ledge, and then uh, bar. So you have to do a, you can do a single trick on each thing or you can do like a, a combo as long as the combo is connected, like a two flip combo, like you can do like, um, I don't know. And last year they made it different, but like the idea would be like you could do like a reverse vault to swing cork or something, and that would be your vault skill. But last year they had it to where they would only count your reverse vault. It was like insane. A lot of people were definitely not about that. Um, so basically, the only vaults you could do that were scored high was like Kong Gainer, <laughs> and oh that's about God. it. You know, like <laughs> um, so that one. If they can get it right, it's good. Uh, sometimes I think Big Trick and NAPC, this is their round three, is Big Trick. Um, I think that Big Trick may be better as its own separate competition right. meant for something else. Like I, I think of uh, Buster Bale, if you know skateboarding. Buster Bale, like they just go to like a huge staircase hosted by Thrasher magazine. They go to a massive staircase and they just like – get all the pros and they just sesh this staircase and whoever throws down the biggest tricks like that they win you know like so I'd like to see like a big trick comp like that where you go to maybe like a destination you hit like whoever can do the craziest trick right. off this setup like you're winning you know so like I think big trick can be a comp but I don't think it should be included in style comps um, because I think like it should just be run so my favorite is just classic 30-second runs, maybe maybe 60 seconds, you know, but, like, anything over 60, like, it's getting too long, I think. Like, one, it's hard for the athletes. 
to go for over 60 seconds of movement. So I think 90 seconds is just crazy. And then, uh, but I think 30 seconds is like, that encourages more flow. Right, like really connecting mm -hmm. those tricks. Because yeah, if you have too much time, then you can get caught up running around. So I like 30 seconds because like, oh, you don't have a lot of time, so you better come up with a really sick line and like make everything connect so you can pack in with a lot of moves. Yeah, and I think that shows off the <clears throat> actual skills way better when you're able to see, okay, no wasted footsteps in between yeah. each move. Everything is connecting to something. He didn't take four extra steps mm -hmm. to get over to that wall for his cast back. He actually, you know, used a cartwheel to yeah. get over there, which shows way more control of the body, way more awareness of the landscape, and just way more creativity. So that's super sick, man. And, like, I definitely do agree with you on that whole comment of getting a big trick section, like, just for events, having big trick be its own thing. Mm -hmm. That would be completely rad because flow-type movement is way different than somebody that's going to come and just hit a standing triple full wall. Yeah, wall. exactly. <laughs> you know, and, like, you can have both for sure. Like, Max Antle, last year at NAPC, he included his double side flip in his round one run, and it was insane. Like, and he did it perfectly. <clears throat> but, but, you know, like, so if you can do that, that's there. That option's there to do a big trick anytime you want. But I think, like, I know that what I've heard is that NAPC one they added it as a round itself to encourage that you don't throw super big tricks in your run because those are flow killers, basically. And NAPC is all about flow. Like, NAPC really judges flow heavier than every other thing. They want to see those tight connections. Everything connects fluid movement. That's NAPC's run uh, run one and run two is all about flow. And I, I love that. So they don't even have a time limit. They just want your moves right. to connect. So. And I think that's cool because, like, I appreciate – I know I definitely appreciate <clears throat> watching that in movement because I meet so many kids here at Woodward where they've got a lot of power tricks. Yeah. They've got a lot of moves. But really their connections, that's where you could see, yo, you haven't dedicated time there. Mm -hmm. And other people become specialists. Like, I consider you someone that's a bit of a specialist – in connecting the movements. Yeah. Joey Adrian, another guy where it's Perfect like, example, you guys, yeah. like every time I watch back the clips over and over, it's like, wow, there really are no wasted step. Every step mm -hmm. served the purpose yes. to bring the whole line together. And that is like, yeah, that's uh, coming back to like the roots of like, yo, efficient movement. Efficient movement, exactly. Yeah, 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 for sure. And like, you know, that's where it's so cool. Like parkour has kind of evolved into point A to point B in the most efficient way to like whatever this is of free running but dude it has those roots like I definitely make sure that every single thing has a purpose every movement every step should be connecting me to the other should be the most efficient way to do my line you know it's like maybe not the most efficient way to move around the area but when it's coming to my line, I'm doing it in the most efficient way possible you know <laughs> and I love that concept and following those uh those definite like roots of parkour for sure heck yeah man yeah that's sick so um you know with that whole talk about fig a little bit earlier i am a little curious as to i guess like what is your i know it's a big, big question what's your stance on mm -hmm. the current trend or the current direction that it's going with parkour competitions potentially leading up to the olympic stage yeah how do you feel about that i know personally i've already told people this many times i'm somewhere in the middle yeah so most people know that about me where 
I see it as potentially a good thing mm-hmm. if you utilize it in the right way. I don't get that butthurt over it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's going to change parkour. I think we're stronger of a community than for us to lose our core, yeah. like the core of what makes the community. Um, and, you know, like, it would be nice if the core community were the ones leading it. However, that's not what's happening. Whether we want to or not, FIG is moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm curious to know how you feel yeah, about so, the current direction. So this kind of brings it back to also what WFPF is doing. And so WFPF is World Parkour Freerunning Federation, right? And so they're a for-profit organization, and the... <laughs> like the two guys who created WFPF, Vic and David, they now created IPF, which is their nonprofit org, um, International Parkour Federation. And IPF's goal is to get parkour to the Olympics. That's what they want. FIG's goal is to get parkour to the Olympics. That's what they want, for sure. And I personally see parkour in the Olympics as totally a good thing. I, I think that would be awesome. I just see it like. I don't know, I was watching the Winter Olympics, the last ones, and uh, there was a 17-year-old snowboarding girl named Chloe Kim. I don't know if you remember, but she's, like, nasty on the half pipe. <laughs> and, uh, um, like, a lot of my female students were, like, talking about this girl, Chloe Kim, and they were being inspired by her, and, like, they wanted to start snowboarding. And I was, like, I could just see, like, you know, someone like Renee Dambly coming in at the Olympics and little girls across the globe are going to, or at least across America, because, you know, they're rooting for the U.S. athlete. Like, I could just see them going bonkers for this parkour athlete, and then, like, boom, there's all kinds of people rushing to your parkour gym, you know? And I just see it as a really beneficial thing to have that exposure, for sure. But, uh, you know, I guess the fear is that FIG takes over um, and that you know, all those people would be flooding to the gymnastics gym, I guess, instead of your parkour gym. Um, So that is a definite threat, but I also see it as, like, if you have parkour-specific facilities, those, whoever's trying to go to the Olympics is probably going to be drawn to that facility over the gymnastics one because if you're in a parkour-specific place, that's where you're going to get the most parkour-specific knowledge. So... I think, uh, in a sense, like, gymnastics might want um, to get parkour, get on board with parkour to try and, like, save their facilities, try to get more boys into to their facilities because men's gymnastics is dying. But uh, I really see it as, like, they might be messing up in the long run. Like, gymnastics, I don't think we have to worry about gymnastics taking over parkour. I think really... Gymnastics needs to be worried about parkour taking over gymnastics. I really think that parkour is uh, more relatable to people nowadays. It's more accessible than gymnastics is. All you need is a pair of sneakers. Like it's anyone in the anywhere, anyone can always do parkour. You know, like so. I think like I don't. I'm not worried. You know, like if I see, <laughs> I think parkour in the Olympics is probably just like oh, that's a good thing to me. You know. Dude. Oh. You have no idea how nice it is to hear that because personally, I'm in like a very similar boat. That's where my viewpoints are of this whole conundrum that everyone's been really stressing out about. Mm-hmm. Where if we're on a larger stage, if people now all this will do is introduce the term parkour to the world, to yeah, the mainstream society. Exactly. And if you're doing the right thing, 
in your community and the people, your locals, go on Google, type in parkour. Yeah. Your gym should be the first thing that pops up or your local parkour community should be the first thing that pops up. And Absolutely. now they're going to come to you and you now have an opportunity to sway them or teach them your version of parkour. Exactly. But just because parkour is in the Olympics, it's not going to change the identity of parkour. It's going to mm -hmm. be, hey, you know what? What I personally think I'm going to see happen is there's going to be, okay, like a parent's going to come to your gym and say, hey, I want my kid going to the Olympics for parkour. And you're going to say, cool, I teach parkour. I've been doing it for the last 15 years before he's even in the Olympics. And here's like the freestyle recreational version that you just do for fun. And here is like an Olympic standard kind of like what if he really wants to go the Olympic route, this is what they're looking more for. Mm -hmm. I can also teach him that kind of stuff because it's now guided with a purpose. Yeah. But if your kid really just wants to come in here and move and do the parkour that we've been doing already, that will still be an option. Yeah. It's just another option. For sure. And that's really what this community, it seems like we need options. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're a pro athlete right now. And I'm curious to ask you this, like what... As a pro athlete, like, would you say there are a ton of options right now for, like, a parkour pro? No. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, like, I'm kind of, like, I look out and I see the same thing where I'm like, all right, we've yeah. got these amazing movers, and it really, it doesn't seem like there's much there for mm -hmm. us, you know? Video parts aren't really doing the job that they used to because our community isn't yeah. really paying for it. We're throwing it all out for free on Instagram. Very few groups are taking the time to make dedicated projects anymore mm -hmm. yeah. because they just i think they weren't getting paid in return like w the amount of work they were doing exactly you know because i know back in the day you had flow mag mm -hmm. and i still like tell people like flow mag was the greatest thing ever. like i straight up i loved flow mag yeah so much like it inspired me it was so well put together it was so clear how much time dedication energy coordination you guys put into making that happen mm -hmm. and I was one of the people that paid when it first came out, like when it was on so Vimeo, jump, jumped on it. I was so excited to be a part of it. I felt like I was yeah. getting something so super exclusive. I was at that viewing that you guys had out at Jump Fest in Colorado. Yes. That was insane. That was nuts. <laughs> and like, I missed stuff like that. But then at the same time, I don't think a lot of our community was paying into it, which yeah. makes it harder for someone like yourself to really be sacrificing mm -hmm. the time and energy and the resources yeah man and uh yeah we we made four issues and for those who don't know it was a uh, flow gang magazine it's basically 30 to 45 minute um video magazine so if you don't get what that means it's basically like you open up a magazine there's different articles different um you know different authors and stuff and then so a video magazine is different segments, basically, you know, five, four to five minute segments of basically just kind of different articles, right? So this, this one may be a showcase of one athlete. This one may be a portfolio of this athlete's work that he's already done in the past. Um, one may be like this athlete doing as many tricks as he can in one session, you know, for trickers or something like that. And so it's just a bunch of cool ideas, and we wanted to make like a really cool – you know, video and each issue would be different, featuring different athletes. And it was definitely inspired by skateboarding. Um, 411 VM was a skateboarding video magazine that I grew up watching on VHS. And I was like, yo, that would be so sick to do something like that for parkour. And we did it, you know, like, so it definitely happened. All the issues are out on YouTube. Just type in Flow Gang magazine and you'll see them all there, issue one through four. And originally, yeah, we had them 
on Vimeo and we were trying to charge for them because, you know, like you said, we were putting mad work into making these huge issues. Like so much went into it. We had like eight different athletes per issue. You know, luckily we lived in Colorado where uh, not only is the parkour scene huge, but the tricking scene is also huge. So there was, uh, you know, pro-level athletes on both sides that were getting in these magazines, and it was so we're really lucky with that. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like, Colorado is this destination, so we got other pro athletes coming in. So when they come in, we, like, jump on board and try to get a thing with them. So we definitely have some really good content on those magazines. And then, um, yeah, but we would – era or we would premiere them at like a movie theater try to get the community out and a lot of times we did we got trickers parkour people together like to watch this in the theater like an actual movie theater was crazy <laughs> seeing it on the big screen but um it kind of just flopped you know like and i'd like to do more with it but you know there's different things i definitely probably would re just release it for free and maybe try to go the youtube route i was talking to bailey Payne this week he was at, here at woodward and, uh, you know, he makes a decent amount from his YouTube videos. And I was like, wow, that's pretty sick, you know. It's like almost making a TV show, but for YouTube. You click, you make it longer than 10 minutes, and then you have, like, places where you can put ads, and then right. those ads are what make you the money. Yeah, and, like, it seems like that's kind of, like, the way athletes have to go now to be able to sustain a living yeah. with training because right now there isn't, like we said before, there's not, a lot, there's not a ton of money in the community. And I really want this to be a conversation that's kind of had so that the community recognizes that, you know, we've got to be willing to invest in ourselves. Yeah. And that means, you know, if you're coming up in the community, being willing to buy other teams and other mm -hmm. brands gear because that shows, like, you guys... You're voting yeah. with your dollars. Exactly. You're voting with where you're spending your time on YouTube. You're voting by who you're following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're super lucky with here at Woodward. This is the first year we've ever gotten parkour apparel into our shops. We've got like breach. You're rocking a breach shirt I'm right now. I'm wearing it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I had yeah. to buy it. <laughs> buy it and like we got had that to. in the skate shop. Like this is. This is big. And, and there like, was actual skaters and BMX dudes who bought Breach. Yes. Dude. They yo, didn't even know, sick. dude. <laughs> They're going to ch check the Instagram and be like, what, dude? Yeah, man. <laughs> it's it's going like, to be so tight. It's crazy because like, we got to start getting to the place where the parkour community is down to yeah. really spend money. Like It's silly as it sounds. But, like That money comes back to the community because Absolutely. you get the things you love. Mm -hmm. Seeing so much like those videos. Like, dude, like I really can't get over how good Flow Mag is. Flow yeah. Mag is. Like, it was, I want to do more with it for sure. And like, so it's definitely not over. So don't count it out. It's just on a break. <laughs> it's just on a quick break. I've definitely honestly been focusing on myself so much more um, since issue four came out. Like, uh, you know, every day when we were making those issues was so focused on Flogging Magazine or, or the clothing that we were making or something. It was just a lot of time. And then, you know, I'm truly passionate about training. I love training. So um, I've been focusing so much on myself as of late, and the progression has, like, totally been seen by everyone. Like, I've just been going so hard. And it's shown on my Instagram, got more followers, this and that. I just see it. You know, I always watch my, my videos every now and then, like, uh, let me check what I was doing in March. And then, like, pff, November comes, and, like, whoa, like, stuff I was doing in March, like, I can do that easy now. Like, nice. that's insane, <laughs> you know? It's really cool to see the progression, but I've definitely been going hard. And uh, it's been, it's been, I would say, you know, 
the best time that I've had training for sure like has happened in the past like year for sure I've just been loving training outside inside doesn't matter just moving around dude so now that we're talking about training I got a question for you because I was wondering actually anyone that knows me spoken to me knows I'm big on longevity I always am interested in finding out what people's mindset are behind the training I know some athletes you know like Max Henry very big into longevity, so he does want to mm-hmm. progress, but not at the cost of future movement. Other yeah. athletes will tell you, like, yo, I'm here for a good time, but a short time. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to max out this body by 30, and then I'm cool taking the back pain and the knee pain, and mm-hmm. that's where, like, legitimately, they're just like, yo, I don't care. Like, I want to do this now while I'm at peak performance, so I'm willing to trade health <laughs> for performance. Where do you feel that you sit on that spectrum? Uh, I'm definitely the one who's trying to do a backflip till I'm like 80. You know, <laughs> like at least a backflip, if not more, you know, like I definitely want to be able to do, I feel like side flip may be the one, like the last flip I'll ever do, you know, that seems like the easiest one <laughs> for me. Like that's the easiest flip, side flip. I'll be able to do that till I'm like 85. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's that's the goal or something. Who knows, you know, who knows. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I've been training for 13 years. I've never broken a bone. I've never gotten a concussion, never had stitches. Like, my whole goal is to just protect my body. I'm, like, so about protecting my body, and that definitely means, like, I have to warm up, cool down. I have to make sure I'm maintaining, like, like good so that I can keep training like if I don't then I I really do feel it I'm 28 now so like I don't think that's old but it's older than you know 16 year olds who are like hucking crazy things you know like <laughs> doing insane stuff so I'm like yo I gotta compete against these 16 year olds who have like mad energy and you know I need to be able to like make sure that my body's ready you know so and I would like to do that I don't I don't, I don't see myself slowing down like competition wise Till I'm like probably 35, maybe nice. more, maybe a little older. But I just see it as like, I don't know, I was watching um, once again the Olympics, <laughs> uh, Winter Olympics, the last one, and it was uh, Sean White came on, and, you know, he's been in like I don't know how many Olympics now, but he's he at this point he's the oldest snowboarding competitor, and he's 32. And so I was like, or 31, one of those. And um, I was like, sick, dude. Like, right. and he won gold. And I was like, that's so tight. And then uh, another uh, big influence, I was super into, like, Ninja Warrior when I was uh, growing up, you know, like, 15 years old. Like, that was when it, Ninja Warrior was on G4. It was in Japan. And, uh, you know, he had your Ninja Warrior all-stars, like Makoto Nagano and, like, the OGs. But um, one of the people that would always do the Ninja Warrior seasons was this Bulgarian gymnast, and his name is uh, Jorgan Yochev or something, Jorgan Jochev, and uh, he's just like a beast, and I read his profile, and he's been in like eight different Olympics for gymnastics, and his last gymnastics appearance, he was like 43 and it was insane, you know, and, like, gymnastics, men's yeah, gymnastics, man. like, the they peak is, out. like, 23, like, yeah. 25. And, like, this dude is here till he's 42 doing rings. He's still doing rings. It's insane, like. And so I was like, oh, dude, he's competing? Like, oh, my God, he's wrecking it in rings? Like, that's sick, you know, like. So I just, if as long as you're taking care of your body, yo, longevity is for real, like, absolutely. Heck, yeah. I think, like, it's 
it's not something that happens on accident. It's not just genetics. Like, you don't make it to be a 40-year-old or a 45-year-old competing athlete by not setting that intention. Like, you've mm-hmm. got to know that's where yeah. you're going. I was blessed enough in my life to the guy that owned the gym I worked at for the last couple of years. He's 55. Last summer while we were here at camp, mm-hmm. I watched him throw a triple front flip. It was into foam pit. Yeah. But... It was for the first time ever. It wasn't like oh, this was no. something that he did when he was younger. He was a kid. It was just like, nah. He was like, you know what? Like, my body's still strong. The guy works out every single day. Deadlifts like almost 500 pounds. Like, strong oh, man. dude, man. And just sends it and brings it around to his feet to the foam pit. I'm like, bro, like, that's impressive. And he yeah. is somebody that's on it about taking care of the body, showing, mm-hmm. showing that, like, you don't age out of playing. You yeah. don't age out of going and being able to learn new physical skills. Yeah. It's a mindset. A lot of people feel like, yo, once I hit 30, I can't do I'm this done. anymore. Yeah. Once I hit 20, I can't do this anymore. And yeah. other people look at you, like I personally look at those people like, why are you telling yourself that? Like, yeah. Where did you pick up this like, weird idea? That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I think personally, <laughs> like going into like a little theory that it has to do with getting rid of recess during high school. I don't yeah, know. I, I thought that was the weirdest thing growing up. <laughs> I don't know how you felt about it, but when I got to high school and they told me like recess was done, I was so confused. Dude, for us it was middle school. Like, oh, what? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, well, they got rid of the playground, you know, like basically in middle school, sixth grade, you come <laughs> to your school, there's no more playground. All they have is a, a field for it's track, like the, you know, yeah, like, <laughs> and then like, they give you time to, like, go outside after lunch, but, like, and we would play, like, wall ball with a racquetball or, like, that was it, maybe football if somebody brought a football, you know, but, like, and, like, people would still kind of do that at high school, too, but, yeah, like, after elementary school, like, no more recess, like, what is that? It's like, weird. that's insane, Yeah, man, dude. it's like you're training us to try and put on that weight, I guess, I don't know. It's crazy, like, especially middle school, like, yo, sixth graders are, like, literally... 11 10 and 11 you know like they have mad energy they need to play oh they dude. gotta like, burn up real. that's why like i'm so like i love being at camp here man like seeing kids run around all day long just burning it mm-hmm. all day like it's what they it's need. so good yeah they need that they need it so nice to see for sure yeah man so yeah i got a question for you um as a pro athlete i want to know what would you like to see more of in this community as we start to grow i know that you know you just said you're 28 you're what you want in life is probably starting to change you know yeah i'm a little bit older myself i'm 26 now i see where i'm looking at my future where i'm like all right cool like i really want to be able to afford a house a, a home house, yeah. i want to be able to support a family i want to be mm-hmm. there's different things that i want now that i had absolutely no desire for when I was younger, mm-hmm. and now that I'm getting there, I'm realizing I don't want to give up being a part of the parkour community, but at the same time, the community needs more things yeah. to keep me a part of it so that it could provide the other areas of my life with the same level of satisfaction that I want and the same standard of living that I'm looking for. Yeah. So I'm curious, what would you like to see more of in this community? Uh, I mean, like, in you know, when I look at the future of parkour, I guess, like... Ideally, you know, I'd like to see it become as big as skateboarding has. I really relate parkour to skateboarding so much. I think it's because I started skateboarding first. It was my first introduction to any type of creative movement. Like, 
I did soccer and baseball, but that's like team sports, you know, rules you have to follow, things you have to do. But like in skateboarding, you know, complete freedom. You could just learn the tricks and then do them how you want or like ride the ramps the way you want. And that was like the first time I ever had that, you know, and like so. And then skateboarding now is just, it's so big and, you know, it's crazy. Like, you know, it's a little scary to think about that because like, you know, I see skateboarding and like I go to the skate park and like there's thousands of skaters or not like thousands but there's like a bunch of skaters you know at the like if I just go downtown Denver there's Denver skate park I go there and there's like so many skaters and you know it's very like nobody knows each other you know so like that's scary you know because like right now in the parkour community pretty much if you do parkour and you're like really into it like you pretty much know everyone else who yeah. also is into <laughs> parkour you know like the community is, like, so tight. So you'd probably lose some of that for sure It once it gets so big. But um, I I think that's where I'd like to see it because I'd like to see parkour parks right, with, right there with the skate parks. Um, I'd like to see brands blow up, like, vans, you know, like and, like, Thrasher Magazine. Like, being – like, a lot of people, they may not know what Thrasher Magazine is, but they've definitely heard of it. You right. know what I'm saying? Like – <laughs> everyone knows what Vans is for sure. Dude, and you, know, you get like, insane. I think blowing up is like when you get to that point too where you have people that aren't even practitioners rocking your gear. Exactly. Because the amount of people I see wearing Vans that have never stepped on a skateboard exactly. before, the people that rock Thrasher and they don't even know what the skate company is. Yeah, for sure. Like that's insane. When they, they don't even know Thrasher has skate, has snowboard, <laughs> yeah. has BMX, has motocross. Like they don't know any of that. They just think this looks super sick and they've seen a lot of other people rocking it. Like, yeah. And I see, like, I want that because that just, it seems, you know, that that's where the opportunities come from. Like, um, I was, uh, you know, watching, uh, some skateboarding stuff once again. <laughs> and, uh, it was the Tampa am challenge and this, this, uh, dude won. And I think he was from like France or something, but, uh, he decided to stay in France and, like, normally if you win, like, the Tampa Am, like, you move out to California right away because that's where, like, all the big skate companies are. And, like, you'll just get sponsors, like, immediately. Like, it's insane. But you decide to stay in France and, like, nobody hit him up. <laughs> like, what? type of stuff because, yeah. like, none of the companies are out there. But um, so I'd like to see, like, that's, like, not really super rel relevant, but um, I'd like to just see those type of opportunities for parkour people, like, if a if an amateur came up, like, he's been training in his backyard for, like, years, no name, comes up to a competition, and then he does, like, amazing stuff, blows people away, then he then he can get the opportunity to move out of his small town and, like, you know, make some big bucks, you know, like, doing the thing that he trained mad years for, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, Yeah, and, like, that's something I want really a lot of the next generation to get their mind wrapped around. And I think I was saying this to you a little bit earlier where – a lot of people in our community right now, the main way of contributing to the community has been through progressing the movement as mm -hmm. much as possible. So athletes are coming out of the woodwork. They've been taking moves to the next level. We got guys stomping double sides on flat outside yeah. like in the grass <laughs> now, which is amazing. We got athletes pouring their souls into this, their time, mm -hmm. their energy, their blood, sweat, and tears. However, at the end of it, we don't have anyone that's deeply rooted to this community creating opportunities for them because mm -hmm. these brands like Vans, you know, those are people, the guys that created Vans, 
that was um, a company back in the day. Like they started making shoes for the skaters because the skaters were coming to. Um, it was like a dad that owned the shop, and yeah. one of the sons was coming to the dad and was like, "Yo, we need shoes that can stand up to the grip tape." Yeah, and he started making these custom shoes for the local skaters out in California, and it just started taking off. Like two or three of the skaters went pro. They were in a magazine wearing the Vans with the waffle bottoms. Everybody yeah. was like, "Yo, what are those?" Vans really started seeing that like these skate kids were how deeply they cared about skateboarding. They saw yeah. they basically became a part of the community. Yeah. And they were like, all right, we're not skaters ourselves, but we are a part of this community and we want to grow and mm-hmm. give opportunity to these kids who are out there skating all day where people are saying they're not doing anything productive. It's like, no, like, do you know what he's doing right now? Do you know how hard that is? Do you know mm-hmm. how much time that took? He could have quit at any time. Like perseverance, dedication, discipline, like all these traits that you say you want to see an individual he's gaining it through this rebel sport and we're not gonna grow that some more we're not gonna support that on the back end we need more of that so if we have guys in our community right now who might be into other things who might be into you know video game design we have henry blue working on a video game right now that's big that's massive massive you know because you're feeding the community still while at the same time, it's not the same thing everyone else is doing. We've got to also branch out and learn to create opportunities that aren't just movement-based. Yeah, yeah. I would say, uh, you know, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I can, I can say that that is like probably one of the reasons why I got into parkour in the first place. <laughs> so there was a, it, I'm pretty sure it was like the, eighth game or the seventh game in the series <laughs> tony hawk american wasteland yes. and in tony hawk american wasteland for those who did not know you meet a french baker <laughs> and he's like yo you use a board to get around i use my body and he's like in this french accent and he teaches you how to do a backflip, a front flip a wall run a cat leap shimmy and then uh, you can do a wall Arabian. It's insane. <laughs> and in the game. And so, like, you could play Tony Hawk American Wasteland and hit, like, just run around without your board, hit front flips over gaps. It's so fun. <laughs> and that was, like, that game, I looked it up, came out in 2005. The following year is when I would say that I started training in 2006. So that was probably one of my very earliest introductions to parkour. That was, like, oh, I found out about it through a video game like through tony hawk yes. and then i saw the videos it's like i saw the videos after i heard about it on tony hawk and uh tony hawk pro skater introduced me to all the big pros you know jeff rowley tony hawk bob burnquist you know like um andrew reynolds all these pro skaters you know whoever was on tony hawk that's who i pretty much knew and i guarantee that those pro skaters got way more deals because of tony hawk pro skater you know like they got way more recognition. They, you know, um, they just blew up. I'm pretty sure because of that game. And that would be sick to see like a parkour game, and like seeing some pros on there that you know, and then you get to play as your favorite pro. Like right. that would be so tight. That'd be so tight. You know, what I mean, and like it's. I want to see our community go that route in the future where we yeah. just have so many avenues to be professionals in the community mm-hmm. without necessarily being a professional athlete. Yeah, you know it's like this so. And yeah, I want to see it. I want to see us on more commercials. You know, like for sure because uh, you see a lot of skaters on like you know pop commercials like Mountain Dew or something like that. Like, you know, and uh, 
I was talking to Bailey Payne, and you know he's living in LA, and Pasha and Eric are right are there as well, and you know they're all really trying to find opportunities in the place where you think they would have the most like opportunity because of the skills that they have, you know, and like. He told me they're all like struggling to find like work there, you know, like right. that's why they're all doing YouTube. That's why they're all doing social media because that's what they have time to do because they're not getting big like commercial jobs. Like, and you know, that's why I have so much respect for, you know, guys like Giles mm-hmm. uh, from Modus Projects or Chris, Chris Alabaca, because these guys have recognized it is tough to create opportunity for yourself as an athlete. Mm -hmm. So they're almost taking on the role of being opportunity creators, almost like talent managers Mm -hmm. for the next generation of athletes and the current generation of athletes because they know it's like, wow, like this guy could be the world's greatest and nobody knows and nobody knows how to utilize his skills. And, you know, we have other things. I mean, like, this is why I think so many people hate on Ninja Warrior from the parkour community mm-hmm. is we recognize for the most part a lot of the parkour athletes are more talented athletes. Not yeah. saying that they work hard or anything, but like the skill sets they have to be a professional parkour athlete, it's more skill-based than being a strong Ninja Warrior. Yeah. And they feel like, wow, these Ninja guys are getting way more spotlight, way more opportunities, way more you know, clout for what they're doing. Yeah. And we're working way harder or just as hard doing harder skills and no yeah. one knows. But it's like, well, we, did, we didn't do the tough job of creating the opportunity for ourselves yeah. and capitalizing on the market, really. Mm-hmm. And we've got to get to a place where we figure that part out. Luckily, more mature minds are starting to get into the community. Mm-hmm. Guys like Justin Schaefer have been saying things like this for a while. Yeah. It seems like our community has been a lot of young 16-year-olds in sweatpants for the last, you know, 10 years, which <laughs> is cool, you know, like that's why we are so, as cool as we are. But at the same time, it's like, all right, those 16-year-olds are now 26-year-olds and 28-year-olds, yeah. and they recognize, oh, shoot, like if we don't start playing the game a little bit mm-hmm. better, you know, these party tricks we have will be just party tricks that no yeah. one really cares about. And that, I would say that also kind of brings it back to, like, um, FIG or WFPF in a sense where, like, we need to be able to create relationships with people who have more connections than what we have. So, like, what was cool that WFPF did was, <clears throat> I, I don't, I'm not sure how it happened, but they were able to get a parkour show on MTV, you know? Right. And oh, I yeah, was the there watching it. Back yeah. In the day, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. MTV Parkour Challenge and like it was crazy but that was like who did that that was WFPF you know like and I remember watching it and being so hyped that that was on MTV and I think about that and that was in like 2009 2010 and uh like what has happened since like parkour has not been on mainstream TV since that like what that's insane like I think it had there was a parkour show um, on G4 as well, I'm pretty sure that I remember Dylan Baker was in it. It was in Seattle. I don't remember what it was called. But, um, yeah, those are, like, parkour shows actually on TV. Like, what happened to that? Like, what happened to people trying to, like, make those connections to get, like, the sport more recognized? Like, I think if we had, like, shows like that, like, just people would just know more about parkour. And then 
maybe you'd have some people who have more connections like working harder because they have belief in the sport too you know I don't think it's bad when people who don't do parkour find like parkour and want to like work with it you know because they see the potential and like I just think that's good because if they have those connections that could be really beneficial for a lot of people yeah man mm-hmm. I mean we gotta open ourselves up to the world for sure mm-hmm. and people gotta start gaining a little bit of perspective because they th- I don't know I think it's a m- immature mindset where they just think things happen mm-hmm. and they don't recognize how much work it takes to make a little event happen or to make yeah. a TV show happen or to make a video project happen or to create like you yeah. know what I mean like at the end of the day like we're out here everyone's out here creating or at least not everyone but the creators are yeah. creating and the creators that's why they have respect for each other they mm-hmm. recognize like real recognizes real you recognize like when I watched you know I keep bringing up Flomag you know by really like I said it resonated with me when I watched that and then I try to recreate something like that of my own I was like holy crap once I started trying to recreate that I recognized yeah. these guys put in work like this is yeah. No joke. <laughs> now, sure. like, trying to get, like, sponsorship for athletes. I have a team of athletes trying yeah. to get sponsorships for them and reach out and make connections. You start to realize, like, yo, this is a lot of work. So mm-hmm. now when you look at the skaters and you're like, mm-hmm. man, like, Nigel Houston's got it all. It's like, dude, he put in work. Like, he had to reach out to those companies. He had to make sure he wrote down contracts right. He had his yeah. family backing him. His mom backed him. His um, managers backed him, it, but it was a lot of work. It wasn't just Nigel Houston's good at skateboarding, and yeah, you know, like there's still so much work that needs to be done, and within our community, there's still so much work that needs to be done. And I think it's important that guys recognize that even like our top level athletes, like yourself, you know, you guys are out there still doing that work, and you're seeing for yourselves firsthand. All right, wow, there's still a lot more to be done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be leading the next generation telling them to follow like you'll do what we're doing just to drop them off in a place where they can't really yeah like take care of themselves you know mm-hmm. for sure i totally agree with that <laughs> dude like i definitely um you know appreciate talking about this with you too because you are definitely an athlete a lot of people look up to mm-hmm. you know what i mean you, your movement is insane you as a person you are super chill you are probably one of the coolest people to hang out with to talk with you know like you you make people feel (laughs) special when they talk to you you have a way of like everybody gets to spend time with you and really connect so that's That's super chill man thank you i appreciate those words (laughs) dude i appreciate you having you out here no i'm so thankful honestly (laughs) yeah man so thankful please bring me back as many times as you can (laughs) yo for a fact i mean i already i've been talking to everyone about this like having that secret week 13, the all-star week, where we just, like, invite just pro athletes back and, like, hand-select kids. (laughs) I don't even know how we'd make that happen. I got to go talk to the GMs about that and, like, see (laughs) if that could even be a thing or if they're just going to tell me no. They're probably going to tell me no, but I'm just going to keep bugging them (laughs) until it happens. Like, we need people out in the world to just, like, start tagging Woodward and be like, yo make all-star week yeah and i guess i have a quick question for you about woodward like i know i've heard a little bit of the history like so parkour started out as a trial program about seven years ago right and i want to say they brought out ben jenks and tim sheaf livewire back in the day amazing love that (laughs) um but um 
yeah, so like that's a outside company coming in on the parkour kind of bandwagon, and it's worked. And now Woodward is like a place where a lot of people want to go to because it's like an amazing thing, you know. Like, so I mean, it's not quite, you know. And they have gymnastics, they have cheer, they have extreme sports, but like, I mean, how is Woodward any different from like you know WFPF or Fig? Is it different or like is it the same? It's a big company going in on parkour like nobody saw it as bad you know dude i am so happy you say that because i personally look up to woodward as the epitome of what i'm trying to do i have a brand right now witness mm-hmm. this um it's up and coming team of parkour athletes also i wanted to branch into other sports and i look at witness this as currently the thing doing what i want to be doing in the future mm-hmm. where it's a community for all of these action sport athletes to come together when you're at the airport and you see somebody rocking that woodward hoodie you don't even know what sport they're doing yet but you already have a connection with them because you know that you two connect and click on some sort of level and woodward has found a way to each year grow it started off as just gymnastics yeah and it was back in the 70s actually funny enough i just found out this year that when it started off gymnastics it was actually a way to keep these gymnastic athletes, I forget what country they came from, but basically there were problems going on in their country and they wanted to stay in the U.S. a bit longer. They didn't have the right paperwork, so this camp started as a way to keep them here longer, to give them enough time to get the proper paperwork to become U.S. citizens. Dang. So it was almost That's like, insane. yeah, we were almost like basically like helping people hide out, like we were yeah. taking in refugees. And as Woodward started growing, it became a recognized spot for gymnastics. Eventually, they started opening up their doors to skateboarders. And it was like a little bit of a kickback from the gymnasts, but then they let it happen, and the growth began. And it just became a catalyst, because as skateboarding started to come up, be a part of it and grow, we said, all right, like let's open up to the bikes now. And started off small... It began to grow. Mm-hmm. BMX became a thing here. Mountain biking became a thing here. Um, they kept opening up to more and more sports. And it's amazing because each year it was, you know, it was experimental. It was new. Yeah. We didn't know, Woodward didn't know what would happen by bringing in these new sports. If it would blend, if it would mix. In the beginning, certain sports like inline <coughs> skates, there was a little bit of kickback from the community. Then the community gradually accepted it and began to say, all right, Woodward actually is a pretty dope place that yeah. represents us because our athletes are going there and they're putting in their input, their input's being heard. And, you know, we're seeing it with parkour now. Seven years back when parkour got introduced, it was, the community kind of was like pretty accepting of it because the community was still so small and so yeah. young that they just saw it as another place to go. And like, all right, cool, someone else is offering something for us. And throughout the years, they've been listening to our suggestions. Yeah. We've just got a brand new parkour park built up by our old park where we added, we explained to them like, hey, yo, we're East Coast athletes and we like big strides, big con precisions, descents, um, catbacks. We don't have any of that stuff here. You guys designed us a course that's a little bit more West Coast vibes. Yeah. So they said, okay, dropped in the new atmosphere, the new scene, and the athletes have been loving it. They've been mm-hmm. throwing down on it. They've been playing with it. So they feel like they're being heard. Yeah. yeah, they feel like they're being represented here. 
what I was talking about earlier, we now have parkour apparel in the stores. We have Breach. Yeah. We had witnessed this, and we had VentureCo in the stores for the kids to be able yes. to go and purchase. And the kids are hitting up the stores. We're selling out of gear in like a single day. Yeah, it's insane. Like, it's nuts. It's <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, and that's what I want to see. I had to like fight to get my Breach yo, team, it, man. I literally yeah. did. I was like, and yo, out of the way. <laughs> not even just parkour athletes either. Like, you're fighting skaters. Like, the skaters are in there like, yo, let me get some of that. Because they recognize like, yo, we're all kind of coming from the same family we're all cut from the same cloth and you know i mean like woodward is like wfpf in that sense of it is an outside organization like woodward saw that there was a market in young boys that used to want to do gymnastics Mm -hmm. that still want to flip still want to jump around and they latched onto that and we now as a community, we love Woodward. We yeah. Woodward is like at the pinnacle in America as like a parkour destination. Yeah. It's like our version of Ulrup. And there's no kickback from it. And I, it's so interesting that we can be so okay when Woodward does it. But then mm-hmm. when another organization is seeking to do it, there's so much resistance and fighting. And I don't know if it's politics. I don't know if it's people's egos getting hurt yeah. or whatever but it seems like if we want this thing to grow we should be looking at every avenue that allows for that growth and that's the way i see it you know so and you asked me this uh earlier in the week and you were like you know how do you feel about fig and i was like you know i'm seriously starting to consider competing at fig and uh, the reason is is to get the foot in the door to basically guide and influence their direction you know like if they're the ones that are going to the Olympics, then shit, we better go all in with them to make sure that the parkour in the Olympics is the parkour we want to see, you know, like, so I just, you know, um, obviously, you know, I love competing and that is definitely a part of it, but, you know, I'm, I'm longevity, so parkour goes to the Olympics, you know, I'd like to see myself as either a coach or, a judge or an MC or announcer, something like that, something. I'd like to be involved with that. I'd like to keep growing in the parkour community, and I'd love to be a part of the Olympics if that happens. And so whoever does it, you know, I'd be definitely interested in making my way to get to know those people, you know. And the only way to do that is to go in and do their competitions and then give them feedback. And then, uh, you know, if they listen, they do. And if they don't, then that's where you'd be like, hmm, I, I guess I can take my opinions elsewhere and try another avenue, you know. But you don't know until you actually try, you know. Right, 100%. And, you know, this was something that Daryl and I spoke about when he came here. We sat and it's the idea. It's like we see it in our communities, like in the minority communities where people are like, yo, fuck the police. And it's just like... You can't just keep saying that because the police are going to be around no matter what. Mm-hmm. Rather than hate them, why not become a part of them, become friends with them? Why not take over your yeah. local police force from the inside? Rather than us screaming, fuck fig, fuck fig, why don't we try and become a part of it? You know what I yeah. know? The guys back in Colorado, I know Amos and them, they attempted this and I guess relations fell apart. Yeah. But like it or not, they're moving forward with it. And it would be better for us to have people from within the community that the community respects being a part of this, guiding it. If the car is already speeding down the hill, no matter what we do, I'd rather have some people I trust 
inside there trying to steer it mm-hmm. and make the best out of the situation. Yeah, because energy. like it or not, this is the current lay of the land. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, you know, like I'm one of the people where I'm pretty much for it because I see it as an opportunity. I'm very optimistic. Yeah. I just see it as an opportunity for growth because like you said, long run. I'm mm-hmm. in it for the long run. I'm not just looking at the short game. I recognize from other sports that there was a lot of kickback when skateboarding was starting to make its way to the Olympics, when inline skates were starting to make its way to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. The community fought back the same way parkour is fighting back yeah. right now. The exact this, is hap- this isn't the first time it's happened, yeah. but it was able to put those sports on a world stage mm-hmm. where the modern Joe was saying, what is this skateboard thing? What are inline skates? Mm-hmm. Like what? It made them ask the question, and if we continue doing what we're doing where we lay out enough stuff in the background so that when they finally do go searching for the water, when they're that horse looking for water to drink, we've left so many pools of clean water, so many pools of parkour out there that really represent mm-hmm. us that when they see something, like they're going to be like, sweet, they can latch on. Like I trust that if somebody comes across one of your videos, they're going to find a version of parkour that... I want to see grow. If somebody comes across a breach video, they're going to find a version of parkour that I want to see grow. Like there's so much out there and we just need to continue putting that stuff out there, continue creating the gyms, continue doing right on our local scene and then having guys try and enter that big world yeah. scene that we trust and got it from that end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feel that. I feel that hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Dude, we got into uh, a whole lot tonight. Absolutely. You know, like if you guys were listening to us this whole time, you know, kudos to you. I hope you are learning a bunch. I'm hoping it's good for you guys to be able to understand where Sean comes from with his decisions to compete, how his movement has gotten to the level where it's at. I hope you see that it's very intentional, that it's not happening by accident, that he does discipline himself to train to stretch since you've been at Woodward. I've seen you, like, the first day you were here, you trained a little bit, and then you spent, like, a good 40 minutes to an hour just stretching, foam rolling, lacrosse ball under all the muscles. Like, it was impressive. I was so happy to see that because now the kids get to see that too, and they know, like, oh, shoot, like, all that cool down and warm-up talk that I've been throwing at them, they recognize, like, it's real, you know? It's like, it's not just me regurgitating something I heard. It's like... No, this is what the pros are doing. So thank you for <laughs> showing that to us and showing that to them. Um, before we wrap this up, I want to quickly ask you a question. Mm-hmm. And like this is an interesting one. It is, I want you to imagine that it's years from now, you're that 85-year-old man that's able to do his backflips, got your <laughs> side flip in, you know, you just had, let's say you just had your 90th birthday and you're ready to kind of finish up with this life. Like, you know, you've lived a good life. You did everything you really wanted to. And your family's around you. For some reason, all of your social media has been deleted. This interview is gone. Everything you've ever put as a record for people to look back on is gone. You get to leave your family and friends in the world with one last bit of advice what is it that you want to tell them? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I guess just, you know, gut feeling says to 
follow your dreams. You know, as cliche as that sounds, but like, you know, um, I went to school, I studied physics in college, and I just, I love physics, you know, but it wasn't like where my passion lied, it wasn't where my dreams lied. I didn't really see myself working at like Lockheed Martin. It just didn't feel right. And then, you know, now that I'm coaching kids, training parkour all the time, like um, just doing everything, everything is really parkour oriented and like I've never been happier, you know. Like I would say I made a tough decision to, you know, forfeit this like awesome degree that I have that I can use and just go all in you know, for parkour, but I've never been happier. Like, I don't think I would be happy at, at like, a place like Ball Aerospace or Lockheed Martin, even though I might be making way more money, you know? So I just say, you know, just do you, just try to do you as best you can and try to work hard to maintain those, that happiness, you know? You just, you got to go for happiness. I would say. Hey, <laughs> man. Thank you. I appreciate That's great advice. I love that answer. And, you know, once again, thank you for spending your time here tonight speaking with us and speaking to these kids out there listening and to just anybody out there listening. Yeah, one more thing about parkour in the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was actually told to me by WFPF, um, by Vic, um, and he was saying that at one point in time, um, skiing was like the thing. And then snowboarding got introduced. And skiers hated snowboarders for a, a real long time. There was a lot of beef there. And, uh, you know, basically snowboarding, when it entered the Olympics, it entered under the skiing, like, um, governing body. The international governing body for skiing ended up taking over snowboarding just how gymnastics is taking over parkour in a sense, you know? And uh, over the years, snowboarding has now risen equal. It's now called the Skiing and Snowboarding Federation. It's not just the Skiing Federation. And it's very possible that snowboarding will become completely independent from skiing or that skiing goes into the umbrella of snowboarding because skiing is still definitely losing momentum over snowboarding. So that's just one example of a sport that was taken over by kind of another sport and now has risen over that sport. So I would say there's plenty of hope for parkour. Plenty Man, of hope. That is amazing. I love the optimism. I love that it's coming from, it's grounded in logic. Logic. And that <laughs> is just like I'm waiting for the rest of our community to catch up and mature and just not even like I'm not calling you guys immature, but it is low key a little immature. I would say that the slogan, the hashtag fuck fig is a very immature I, response. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I definitely would agree. You know, it's like, not hating, it but like I, think it's just I like, always think about that. <laughs> coming from I really think it's just coming from a limited it's mindset. Very, like it's a it's very just, emotional response. Like, um, I think we gotta you know, it's like when you break up or, or like if you get in an argument with your girlfriend and you just say something so emotional and then you realize that hours later, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. You know, like you, we got to like not say shit when we're so emotional and just breathe it out and then come back in like two or three days. Like, OK, what am I actually thinking now? Like what's going on? You know, so right. I think we just need to be a little bit more calm and then and not be so emotional. <laughs> there we go. On that note, we got to take a breath and just 
think about what we want. So hopefully Sean just left you with a new perspective, something to think about, and know that the conversation about FIG is not over. Just think about what it is that we want for our community and what's going to be the best, most efficient route there. Mm -hmm. Because time is the currency that matters here, people. We don't get our time back once we spend it. So really, let's get on it. Yep. All right. Thank you for having me, Marlon. Anytime, bro. Hey, what's up, guys? I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sean. I know the volume was a little low, but hopefully you were able to turn up the microphone, get everything out of it that you needed, and it provided you with some source of value and inspiration. Sean is somebody that has definitely worked hard to secure his space in the community and I expect big things from him as he continues to grind out as an athlete. Guys, I just want to quickly remind you that you can show appreciation for these podcasts by sharing it on your social media, tagging Sean Higgins, tagging Witness This and just shout us out like that's the only thing we ask share it with a friend shout us out comment subscribe like all that good stuff let's continue the conversation and if there is an athlete that you think needs to be on the podcast reach out to me let me know and let's see if we can make it happen i'm curious to know who you guys would like to hear from next see you guys next week